Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. It's okay. I have condoms. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, Ripper Hale. Ooh, nice makeup. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, this is the podcast where we talk about canon films and all of their amazing outfit and outfit. All of their amazing outfit. This is going to be great. I'm already yeah, saying Yeah, it's also style up in here. We're talking 90s. <laughs> we are talking 90s. Yes. This is the Canon Canon. And uh, again, we do Canon films, but we also... So if this is the first time you're listening because you're a bid... Oh my God, every word coming out of my mouth is wrong. <laughs> a big TG head, and we'll get into that. Uh we often do episodes that are called Could Have Been a Canons, and that means it's an, a movie that we think could have been. If you had told us it was produced by Canon Films, we would have been like, totally, totally get it. And one of the best things that we do is we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. And uh, if you are a member of our uh, level, The Greatest, for six months you get to pick what could have been a canon we have to do. And we have had some amazing picks. Oh, yeah. And today, no exception. Uh, Today is a movie that was picked by a longtime Patreon member. Uh, uh, Big canon canon head uh, helps us out a lot uh, with facts, etc. Has a lot of good input. Tony Farina. And Tony picked for us... And at first, when we got this email, I was just like, this was one that I was like, would this be a canon? Uh Uh-huh. And then when I watched it, because, spoiler, (laughs) I've never watched it before. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And so we'll get into why, actually, this is a good, could have been a canon for the many, many reasons. For us, too, because it's going to be a split. I know it. Yeah, this is gonna. This is this is what we call in the biz a fifty-fifty. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is uh, as soon as you start watching, it does feel like a canon of a different era. Yes, which is interesting. So uh, we today are watching 1995's uh-huh. Tank Girl. Tank Girl. Lori Petty as Tank Girl. Maybe, I wouldn't say it's up there, but it, it, I wouldn't say it's number one, but I would say that it, it might be up there with the most mid nineties movie. Oh yeah. Uh, that's maybe ever oh, existed. Yeah, very, yeah. It's a very mid nineties aesthetic. <laughs> yes. Which might lead to, uh, our 50, 50 split, but is yeah. also, uh, will be a big chunk of this conversation. But uh, uh, like I said, this was picked uh, by Tony. And so we want uh, part of the being able to pick it is you also get to introduce it. And Tony recorded us a fantastic introduction. So we're going to be blathering for so long in this. Let's let Tony do some blathering for the Canon Canon. Tony, take it away. Hey, Frank. Hey, Jeff. It's Tony. Thank you for doing my could have been a Canon pick. Tank Girl, 1995's Shitburger of a Movie. The thing about 
Tank Girl and why it is the perfect pick, in my opinion, for Could Have Been a Canon is that it was a comic book property. So it's 1985. And, you know, this is, we're at the point where a couple of Batman movies had come out. And, you know, this is the cool thing. We know that Golden Globus wanted to do Spider-Man. They had the rights to Spider-Man. And, you know, so, so comic book movies are making a comeback. And so it would make sense for them to be like, we need to get a comic book movie. Let's get Tank Girl. We don't know what it is, but it sounds cool. And so we think punks like it. Get it. Let's make that thing. Let's make it cool. And there are punks like it, so let's get a punk in it. So Iggy Pop shows up. Let's make an excellent soundtrack. They spent $25 million on this movie, and you can see where it went. Ice-T got a million dollars of it. He freely admits the only reason he made this movie is because they gave him a million dollars. He doesn't want to talk about it. They got some good actors. Well, some big actors. Some of them are good, of course. Could have been a canon's... Scott Coffey from Satisfaction, right, Frank? He's in this as one of the kangaroos. They paid Stan Winston to make all those kangaroo costumes, which look amazing. The soundtrack, though, I can't wait. I hope Jeff will do a could have been a canon soundtrack corner for Tank Girl because I love the music. They spent the money, but you can also tell that they spent it in the wrong places because they run out of money. Hence, they didn't film some scenes, and so that's why there's animated scenes. The end of the movie is completely animated. They just didn't shoot stuff, so they had to bring Jamie uh, Hewitt, who drew the original Tank Girl, to come in and draw that ending because that's what it is. That's what they had. There's also all of the other weird, questionable politics. It could maybe be about climate change, or it could be about nuclear war, or it could be about animal testing. We're not sure, so let's just throw all those in there together and see what happens. And it could be a female empowerment film, but let's make sure that all of the women are always in danger. Let's have a weird child bride scene for no good reason, because that's fucking disturbing and creepy. And the objectification of women is on full display. And I know this had a female director. There was a lot of studio interference with this movie. And they were like, nope, we're going to do this. And nope, we're going to do this. And we're going to spend the money on, on a big dance number. And I love the dance number, but that's a total canon move. You're just like, we don't know what it is. We're going to switch tones. Part Benny Hill, part action comedy, part Bugs Bunny, all total mess. So what you have is a movie where they don't explain who all the characters are. They have your lead change her clothes in every scene she's in to make it even more bizarre and to waste more money. And to just have great potential, but totally fall flat. So Tank Girl totally could have been a fucking cannon. I give it 9 out of 10 cannons. I love it. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. Thanks. Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Fantastic. That is a great introduction. And absolutely. Also, very helpful one. Uh, yeah, I, I did. There's some stuff in there I was like, oh, I didn't know that, especially about the ending, you know? Yes. And, and help put into a lot of context of what we watched and what you as a listener will hopefully watch and or listen to us talk about uh, for a long time. So, yeah, uh, before we really get into Tank Girl, uh, speaking of Patreon, also wanted to give a shout out uh, to uh, we've got uh, two new Patreon members. Uh, and so uh, part of, again, being a Patreon member is you get a personalized shout out uh, on the podcast and got to give a big shout out to Eric Thoreau. Uh, am I Eric, if I pronounced it wrong, let me know, uh, and I will say it again another time. Uh, uh, but Eric uh, is a, a big supporter uh, of the pod, 
thank you so much, Eric. Uh, uh, glad you uh, enjoyed Lombada, by the way, too. Yes. Just saw that you... Uh, I'm, I'm, a couple of people haven't been able to watch Lombada. And just saying, we were able to help out a little bit. Yeah. We were able to help out. Part of the perks of Patreon. Part uh, of the perks of the Patreon. You might have links to certain movies and uh, also maybe early access when we get it done. In time. Yes. And we got early access to Lombada for this one. Uh, so, yeah, Eric, uh, thank you for supporting. Appreciate that so much. Also, appreciate Super Senior. That's the name super. I got. Super. He's a super, super. he's a super super another pick from a could have been canon also super senior reminds me of do you remember the movie senseless yes (laughs) david spade yes (laughs) always weirded me out because i think it has matthew lillard in it and it i never liked matthew lillard but also matthew lillard's personality connects to this movie and we'll get into it to me but uh if I'm getting this right, also at least the second movie that Matthew Lillard plays a punk in, and I yeah. believe he plays, he's, I think he says he's straight edge in it, so of course I was like, well, I guess I gotta watch it, because they're talking about straight edge, <laughs> but a big part of it was that I think when, uh, oh, is it, which Wayne's brother is it? Uh, that was, uh, oh crap. Um, is it Marlon? Yeah, Marlon. That was Marlon Wayne's. So Marlon gets super senses. Yeah. Maybe because of a scientific experiment at college uh-huh. in a zapped sort of way, starring yes. a future problematic Scott Bayo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but every time he would use his power, they would have a fucking Hype Williams style fish eye lens. Oh yeah. And he'd go super. <laughs> so <laughs> so now whenever I see, when I see Super Senior, I've got both the theme song to Super Cop. <laughs> And super, super fuzz. My <laughs> yes, super fuzz. Yes, uh, uh, but super senior. Thank you so much for supporting. <laughs> and again, everyone, thank you uh, who join our Patreon. Uh, uh, we appreciate everyone who keeps on joining. Uh, uh, and uh, like I said before, today we especially appreciate Tony for having us watch Tank Girl. So, yeah. nineteen. Let's let's paint a picture here. Nineteen ninety five. March thirty first, nineteen ninety five. Wow, what what a what a year! What a yeah, year man. for the two of us. Yes. Here's the big. So okay, so this movie is based off of uh, the Tank Girl comic. Yes, and uh, I guess that Jamie what, Hewlett, which most people know from the Gorillas project you know he animated did not know that until today like yesterday when i like i mean it's like as soon as i saw that fact i was like oh i probably knew that fact at one point he's got a very distinctive style well that's the thing as soon as i like piece that together i was like oh it looks exactly like gorillas like uh totally makes alan martin to the co-creator yeah yep now Two questions to ask before uh, we start this. Actually, three. And I know the answer to some of them. Okay. One, did you ever read Tank Girl? Yes. Great. Not until later, though. Not until later. And I actually bought a Tank Girl comic uh, or like a special issue about two years ago. Okay. Because they still do it now and then. Uh, Yeah, Um, they still do, yeah. And so, uh, had you ever seen this, and did you own and love the soundtrack? Yes, to all of it. (laughs) I own this on... I remember really wanting to see the movie in theaters, but it was rated R. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I couldn't go see it in the theaters because I was super excited about it. I didn't I didn't know about the comic at that point, but I just thought like, oh, this looks cool. Yeah. Uh, and it had an awesome soundtrack. And I it came out on VHS and I bought it from Blockbuster Used uh, without even seeing the movie. You just uh, knew. I just knew. I was like, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna love this. And I uh, it's funny. I, I was able to Blockbuster didn't care if you like were underage. They were just like, yeah, go ahead. I remember I bought yeah. species there. <laughs> Sensual species. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I... They weren't going to have an adult film section, but they also didn't give a fuck if you were going to buy or rent R-rated movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I got the soundtrack, I think, at a used CD store because it was too expensive, uh, like at Sam Goody and stuff. It was like 18 bucks or whatever. So when I probably was, right uh, around the shift of when they were starting to do that, like I remember the shift to eighteen dollars for CDs, oh, yeah. uh, because record labels are money grubbing and and are constantly just like we're flush with cash, CDs exist, and like we were running out because people stopped buying record, and then it's like oh no, people bought all the CDs over again, charge more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean it's like but like I yeah I got went to a CD store somewhere in Dallas. And I found it, and I bought it, and I loved it. Uh, I listened to it a lot, uh, but I also watched the VHS a lot. Uh, I was in love with Lori Petty and Naomi Watts. You know, sure. I yeah, I the the aesthetic of the movie, everything about it was just like you know, it's mid nineties, you know, and it was like one of those like movies I saw as a teenager that I'm just like, oh, this is cool. I felt right. cool because nobody else knew about it. Especially in a small Texas town, like it, it was kind of like weird and punk and like uh, right, kind of like it was counterculture, you know. Weird movie off of underground comic. Yes, exactly. So I felt it felt like the crow to me too, like in that sure. same respect, where it was just like I felt cool knowing that. I was like yeah. these fucking hayseeds, they don't fucking know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I do think that is a big chunk of it. Is like it wasn't until the end of the movie that i realized that you know we we do talk about it on the canon canon to some extent i guess like two big realizations i've been having recently that also maybe feel late to have in having a podcast where we've had multiple years of covering all of these kind of types of movies is recently really really realizing that to talk about a movie you really have to acknowledge that all of the knowledge that you're you've gained about it from either watching it reading about it is all going to be kind of bullshit yeah. uh and 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 mushy and that we'll never truly know the answer to most movies how much uh the producers fucked everything up and apparently companies. on this one it's a lot because this movie is and we'll get into it our catchphrase a classic example of something that might have worked that's totally fucked by oh yeah i think just like record labels because i mentioned before like uh record labels being like movie studios and it's you know crazy to say this when it's also they make billions and billions of dollars but like you're uh just the kind of classic statement of like, well, good art doesn't necessarily come from a billion artists at once. Like it is just too many cooks and, and, yeah. and, and too many cooks coming at it from different realms, 
where they're like, well, I'm coming from a marketing perspective and I'm coming from it from an actual purity of what this movie should be perspective. And I'm coming from it from just I'm ponying up the dough. And like this one just screams while you're watching it that something got fucked in the translation. (laughs) Also, I think it it didn't help that I think a lot of those circumstances, too, are because a woman directed it. And yeah. a lot of like that assertion is I doubt they would have fucked with it that much if it was a male director. Now we still it still could get fucked with. We hear it all the time with male directors yeah, too. Yeah, but yeah. I think especially for this, a movie with a, a empowered character too, uh, who also has uh, you know kind of like uh, these uh, occasionally have like these kind of uh, queer sensibilities too, mm-hmm. and. It, Apparently, a lot of the like kind of misogynistic stuff was kind of thrown in there, yeah, from studio notes. Or, like, I think Jamie Hewlett said that a lot of um, like there were Benny Hill jokes that they kept trying to put in, right? And he was right. like, What the fuck is this, right? And like, so I feel like a lot of that interference had, I think that does have something to do with that. I know some people are probably rolling their eyes, being like, Whatever, dude, but like, I really do think that. I, but it, I don't. I, I think we both know it. Like, I think the people are like, whatever, dude, would be like lying to themselves. Like, yeah. because I will, I'll say, in relation to canon, one of the beauties of canon is you'll be watching this fucked up end product often that is beautiful at the same time. Yeah. But there's somehow a lot less hands fucking with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, one of the reasons there are we. two giant hands that are. There are four giant hands. Four giant, but two of those hands are probably a little bit bigger than the other. (laughs) That would be Menachem's. Yeah. Um, But just because, like, there's there's less cooks fucking it up. Yeah. But they'll still fuck it up, but in the most charming way that you also can understand versus... It's in-house fuck up. It's in-house fuck up, yes. Yeah, it's it's like a brand. It's a brand fuck up. Right. And like an indie label (laughs) can fuck up a record. But it's it can be often consistent in how the indie label is fucking up records, <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus major labels just finding this huge way because there's so much machinations behind it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. In it. In it. And that's why the major label fuck ups feel less charming most of the time to me, because yeah. it's just like, well, you should have got you. You had more capability to get it right. In theory, in theory, but actually, you actually have more capability to fuck it up versus it's the uh, uh, canon becomes the devil we know, you know, like we just we know what the things are going to be versus part of Tank Girls. You're just like, whoa, that happened in this UA slash MGM movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So I think part of it too was like, I mean, and obviously that can also happen in smaller levels like i you know not to fucking you know promote other uh podcasts but uh my other podcast docs till death we just covered suburbia and that was a big chunk of it penelope spheris is suburbia and uh the fact that it's produced by roger corman so like corman and the other producer had the uh edict edict whatever you pronounce the word of every 10 minutes there's gotta be violence and sex like in nudity so, like, you can see it. Like, suburbia yeah. is, like, both a classic and the themes of suburbia. I was talking about canon a lot on that episode and canon canon because there's a lot of parallels. Like, it does the canon canon thing that we talk about often in suburbia where you're like, 
all right, I think I'm supposed to be on the side of the punks, but now I'm not because I think Corman shoved in violence or the, yeah. and, the and then all of a sudden you're like, everything gets mushy. The and salacious at the end, elements ruin yeah. the actual uh, content. The actual content and theme that is supposed to be in right. there. And so everything gets mushed up. And in this case, uh, it it that it it, it kind of felt the same way, but also felt it more so, maybe not more so, but like e- at least equally so in crazy shifting tone. What the fuck is going on? Like confusion yeah. in this movie. I mean, Another, the fact that yeah. the studio wanted that big dance number and they had to figure out how to just kind of make it happen. And the dance number is so confusing because, as Tony said, he's like he kind of loves it, but it's also like, what is this yeah. exist for? And it's I I I agree with him on that. I think another thing that we might get more into, but like we talk about it often, and we talk about the year that a movie is made, but also this one especially because it's of our time, but of our like developmental time. When a year when a movie comes out is so important especially for us and our 50-50 split. Like, we have such a Venn diagram. Oh, yeah. And then we also have the parts where it's just like, well, Frank likes this more than I do. And then I like this stuff more than I do. Like, depending on what it is. Yeah. And for me, I was like, right. So if this movie came out in 1995, and I'm a couple years older than you, and that's right in high school. So... I used to have all of my high school IDs in my wallet because I thought it was funny to look at the development that would go like each year. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, and remembering also that often they were like a year behind because you take the photos like early on uh-huh. and then you get, and it'd be all kind of twist around. So it's like, you know, when I first started high school, I graduated in 96. So oh, this yeah. movie came out right like a year before I'm graduating. Yeah. In my development, I go from like, I'm a little baby to I'm wearing a tool hat, <laughs> to I'm wearing some sort of punk or Scott shirt or something, and then I'm a hardcore kid. Like, I am just straight up like, okay, that is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm wearing a Youth of Today shirt. I got short hair. Like, I have decided my thing. So I was like realizing, I was like, this movie never had a chance for me. No. Because it was came out right when I was done with everything that this movie like kind of champions. Absolutely. And for you, it hit right when you were like and right when you're still like in the heart of figuring out the things that you would champion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm 13. I mean like or about to be 13, yeah, yeah. you know. At this time and I yeah, I mean, I'm in the thick of alternative music and grunge. <laughs> right. And that whole, like, MTV aesthetic and, like, getting into, like, you know, starting to get into, like, Kids in the Hall and, you know, mm-hmm. other, like, weirder stuff. Liquid Television was a big thing for yep. me. So, like, I, yeah, it, it hit my sweet spot for sure, aesthetically and just especially with the soundtrack because I was just, like, thick in that grunge. I forgot about the soundtrack and like every single song. Well, I would say nine tenths of the songs. I was just like, Frank, Frank. Oh, my God. This is just Frank's like wet dream, especially young baby Frank. Uh, And and again, like it was for me, it was like, well, that was my jumping off stone to become a snob of metal and hardcore. (laughs) So like and you know, and so like aesthetically, 
and I still, uh, it's still like something I struggle with is the aesthetics of the 90s drive me up a wall sometimes. Yeah. And so watching this, I was just like, oh, right. Like I have to like weed through that kind of knee jerk reaction I have <laughs> because there are parts of this movie that I was like, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. That could work. Like, I could see the fun part of that. But even at that point, I had already gotten snobby. And and I don't know if snobby is the word. I had gotten specified. I think I had gotten very specific. I had, like, started to whittle. It's like I said in my, my IDs. You could see me, like, go down to the bouillon base cube, the bouillon cube of what I was. Yeah. And I had, like, weeded out stuff. And part of it was, like, comics and alternative comics. Like, I had had the period where I was like, I love Vertigo and oh, Dark yeah. Horse is the best. And <laughs> I don't really like Valiant comics, but they're okay. But I'll still buy them now and then. Yeah. And no, no, Image burned me. I, bur- I spent so much money on Image comics. Fuck that fucking company. They destroyed my bank account that was so non-existent <laughs> as a child. Um, and oh, yeah, I'll but it was re- cool to like Dark Horse and Image and, you know, all the, yeah. yeah, there were. But I had started to move into the part where I was like, I, I'm tired of uh I'm tired of the kind of irreverent anti-hero comic. Yeah. I had already moved too quick. It all in like this is like having a window of like a year or two, probably. So like I was like, get Lobo out of my face. <laughs> Bastages. <laughs> yes. Like and like and 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 you know, because I loved all that shit, but then I would be like, I don't want to read hard boiled ever again right like i love jeff darrow's art but fuck this like i'm done with it Uh, i need to spend all my money on hardcore records but yeah so it was just like that was a big chunk of it and i also didn't love you loved her and i didn't love laurie petty oh yeah no i i was a big laurie petty fan from point break sure um and in the late 90s uh she was part of a show called brimstone that, I was really into. that was basically just kind of Constantine, but um, or right. Hell, Hellblazer, uh, but, right? Um, Ooh, now we're talking Vertigo language again. I love there it. There we go. <laughs> uh, Hellblazer was another uh, recent thing I I got back into uh, the comic series, uh, but yeah. then I I just got overwhelmed again and I stopped. I stopped. Overwhelmed is the key. I mean, it's yeah. just like over comics I keep are. Up. Uh, I I I yeah, I can't keep. I just it's too much i'll i'll I'll, every once in a while go on those modes where i'll be like yeah i'm gonna read like i was like oh i'm gonna read all of doom patrol yeah like because i i was like i enjoy the tv show i think i kind of zone out but i like it more than legion because legion got to a certain (laughs) point where i was like i can't i can't Can't anymore with legion like i was like this (laughs) is like you took the uh, 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 the awkwardness in the uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but the alienation of Fargo uh-huh. times a thousand. Like, uh-huh. and at a certain point, I was like, if I can't keep up with this, yeah. And I like everyone involved in here, and I really like that guy from the guest, that yeah. actor. Uh, but uh, it's just too much. I'll just like start to be. It's like watching a TV series. If I'm like six series. Seasons, yeah. get out of here. Not having that. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll get more instances, but we should get... I want to hear the facts of 95, because I don't even know if we've had a 95 yet. I don't think so, no. not look, Looking at these movies, I don't think so. 
So Tank Girl came out on March 31st, 1995. It was a budget of 25 million and made six. Oof. <laughs> Woof. Uh, directed Woof by like a ripper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed by Rachel uh, Talalay. I'm not yes, sure if I I'm saying think that. so. Uh, but she directed Freddy's Dead, Ghost in the Machine, and a shit ton of TV. She still works today, uh, including Sherlock, CW's Riverdale, The Flash, and my personal CW, uh, favorite CW show, Legends of Tomorrow. Well, that's I was, when I was looking, I was like, she has an illustrious TV career. Yeah. Like, she's and, a great TV director and is so up your alley. Like, I was like, oh, all yeah. these shows, I was like, these are all the shows you've told me about. Yeah, these are all the shows that I, I mean, The Flash really, really took a dive. Uh, yeah. Not not great at all. But Legends yeah. of Tomorrow, a uh, <laughs> secret fun show. Really great. I love it. Um Always puts me in a better mood <laughs> after watching The Flash, being like, God damn it, why am I still watching this? Uh, Man, anyway, there was, Superman, can Lois I just say on a side, there was, there was nothing more refreshing than when I gave up on Gotham. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, and, I wrote, and then wrote an article about it for Above Average that doesn't exist, but I don't even remember <laughs> what the joke of the article was that I got paid 50 bucks or something to write. And then eventually they're editing way too much for the $50 they're paying me. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? But I remember once just my wife just being like, or just stop. Yeah. I can't hear about how much you hate Gotham. Oh God. I, I really (laughs) fell off with that show. And I watched the last episode just because I was like, I'll just watch it. Sure. But it really was like such a flawed idea to be like, let's, do Batman before he was even Batman, where he can't even be Batman, but now we're going to force the fact that he's got to become Batman before he really becomes Batman. And here's his rogues gallery, and we're going to do big arcs with them, even though the fact that these rogues are supposed to be uh, a uh, result of Batman, not not before Batman. (laughs) So it's like... It gets rid of one of the main interesting ideas of batman that i think keeps people coming back is the idea like you said that it's just like would you have these supervillains if batman didn't exist the fucking cycle of america basically (laughs) like create the monster and yeah do do they ever answer by the way not to get a gotham sidetrack do they is that guy the joker or not the joker Uh, no, they, they, I think they introduced a, another Joker that was the real Joker. I can't remember. I can't remember. I think that was the shit that really broke me. I was just like, you're going to give me a like, bullshit misdirect here. What? What are you doing? Yeah. That whole, uh, yeah. But I, that, I thought that guy from Shameless was pretty good, but, uh, um, sure. But yeah, no, whatever. Anyway, we're okay. getting on tangent. Anyway, yes. so the top 10 movies of 1995, speaking of Batman, Batman forever. Ooh. <laughs> Hold me, kiss me, kill me, throw me, whatever the U2 song was from that. Uh, Wait, is Apollo... forever a Clooney? Or that, is no, that it... was no, that was uh, that was Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer one, yes. Yeah, Clooney was uh, Batman. Batman and Robin. And Robin. Yeah, that's Great. the one with uh, the Smashing Pumpkins song. There you go. Now I know why you know these facts. <laughs> I mean, also I was—I love those movies when they. Came. Yes. Batman Forever. I mean, the Batman Forever soundtrack. Speaking of great soundtracks, that one's actually pretty good. It's got REM. It's got Flaming Lips. Uh, <laughs> the Offspring. It's got. <laughs> offspring is the face-to-face of that soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> To draw a parallel with Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah, and they do they do a cover of Smash It Up, so 
Oh my! Oh, that's where that's from. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember that song. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So we also got Apollo 13, Toy Story. Wow! Ooh. Double Hank. Yeah, double Hanks. Hey, <laughs> uh, that's my. Poor... Why couldn't you have been a dad to Chet? Jesus, Tom. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's you're to blame. <laughs> uh, Pocahontas, Ace Ventura, when nature calls, Casper. Die Hard with a Vengeance, Crimson Tide, GoldenEye, and Waterworld. I was at Universal yesterday, Universal Hollywood, and I did not see the Waterworld show. Uh, they but I was still surprised do a Waterworld show? <laughs> Dude, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, huh, really? Out of all the movies that Universal has put out over the years, Waterworld. That's insane. That's their, that's their avatar. I think it's just like, really, you're holding on to this. Okay. (laughs) I really think that they are hoping that the cycle of like the takes, the, you know, the articles that come out on heavy or whatever that say like, actually, Waterworld's a good movie. They're waiting for that moment. Now is the time to reevaluate Waterworld. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We were wrong. You were wrong. (laughs) You were wrong about some 41. You were wrong about... (laughs) The movie Go or something? I don't know. I'm just trying oh, to Oh, I love random. Go, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you do. I've yeah, never seen it. That was it. another one that was in like the sweet spot of my <laughs> yeah. high school years. Anyway, Go, uh, two, uh, 200 Cigarettes. Like, yeah. Oh, God, shit. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, Jeff, where do you think this landed uh, on the charts that year? In that very weird year, uh, 156. 171. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is a weird year of movies. Yeah, there are a bunch of like that's like that is the mid 90s equivalent of when you will see like who won the Oscar or other Oscar movies that were up in like (laughs) 1981 or something for Best Picture. And you're like, never heard of it. Never. I've watched every movie and I don't know what that is. Forgot Kiss of a Spider Woman existed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like I'm like Casper was (laughs) the top. 10 going in that year that was a big movie i i actually owned that on vhs too Did you? was it because oh, yeah. of richie oh yeah i mean of course richie sawa man like it's oh, you know man. oh wait is devin sawa in that i think so yeah yeah oh. I re- if i'm remembering right i just remember <laughs> yeah Devin uh, Sawa, who i love the canon canon twitter because we've got like you know if you're a canon fan and you're following us and then your your tweets show up it's like a long barrage of people who are watching a lot of weird direct video or direct to streaming action movies. And someone put up one that was some new movie that's out with Bruce Willis, Devin Sawa (laughs) and Luke, Luke, uh, Luke, uh, Wilson. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, what could this be? And the cover could not tell you the title could not tell you. Um, man, David Sawa from SLC Punk. Ugh, what a terrible movie. Was SLC Punk a movie you liked, Frank? No, I Okay, thank God. <laughs> I didn't I wasn't like uh, cuz I had friends that like really really loved it and I <laughs> I was like uh, I I just couldn't get into it at that time. I I did like kind of movies like that but i i couldn't get into slc punk but i did like um the other suburbia oh yeah yeah, yeah. The sure one with yeah and richard linkletter 
Yeah, that one had a great soundtrack too. I really sure. like that one. But like, that's kind of it's surprising I didn't like that because it would have been a, like in that Kevin Smith. I, that's when I was starting yeah. to get into like Kevin Smith films and you know. SOC Punk is rough. We covered not again to cover, but on Doxel Death we covered it, and that movie is just like. The amount of people are like, I got into punk from this movie. And you're like, this movie is about not being a punk. It's depressing. It's a, yeah. It is a terrible movie. And <laughs> I really don't like Matthew Lillard. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, I like him fine. I liked him in Scream. Uh, but we really pushes it. I did the Scream rewatch for yeah. that first. And, and still, I, it's hard to hang. Hard to hang with that energy. Yeah. And that's like Lori Petty to me sometimes, just to yeah. say there. Like, the energy of Lori Petty is a lot. But she's, like, perfect for this part, though. That's the crazy part. I mean, she is. I'm just saying yeah. it was furthered by halfway through. My wife came out and goes, what are you watching? <laughs> and what is this for? And Lori Petty's in it? I never liked her. And I was like, well, what are you? Let me just finish this stupid movie. <laughs> but- Would you mind, Gil? <laughs> Uh, hey, Edith. Uh, <laughs> uh, shut up, Edith. <laughs> but, yeah, and then she called me Meathead. And I was like, this yeah. is not fun. Um, <laughs> oh, watchy. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, she is. I think just to get into, like, why this movie is so confusing is it should work. Yeah. And casting is so important for something like this and i can't think of anyone better than Lori petty to play tank girl for what i know of tank girl like she yeah. looks exactly like her the tone of her joking style and energy is exactly like tank girl from yeah. what i know well and- she's in the comics, she's a little bit more harder edged and a little bit more. Oh, is I mean, she like, okay? Yeah, Lori Petty adds kind of like a, a little bit of a sweetness to it, but she is a Bugs Bunny character in the comics too. But okay, like, but she she's got a little bit of a a rougher edge, but Lori Petty brings this kind of like goofy sweetness to it or annoyance. Yeah, luckily because yeah. you've seen this a lot and you've also read some of the comics. Um, so again, this is also like a classic to me, like. Uh, uh, British era of of that era comic like coming out of those uh, 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 what is the name of that uh, AD 2000 2000 AD is that what Judge Dredd came out of oh right yeah 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 and it's like that era that world that we didn't really have in America of like almost right. like of like you know you'd get like serialized like little bits of these characters um, and and there seemed to be like a list of like twenty of them that I was like I've never heard of any of these, um, uh, and it's all that kind of like punk edged irreverent take on the tropes of the genre, like yeah. at the time, and so yeah, it's like I but I, there were there were parts of this movie that I was like, does this not work? But it should work because it's a character choice that's in Tank Girl. Does this not work because it's a weird mashup of too many cooks? Or is it just a creation for this? Like, there would just be... Ra- because, and and Tony kind of gets to know, like, one of the problems of this movie is they just kind of... They jam so much yeah. into it, and it feels like they tried to jam, like, not reading the comics, like, every issue yeah. into a weird truncated version but then 
when you also, as far as I could tell from IMDb trivia, the essentially the movie was taken away from the director. Yeah. And it was essentially directed edit, yeah. yeah, and directed, quote unquote, by a marketer. Like oh, he wasn't boy. even a filmmaker. Like it was marketing just re-edited it. And so there are things that you're like, is it supposed to be quick and punchy? Or is it in like the style of the comic? Or is it supposed to or is it supposed to be better and we're missing scenes? Right. Because it's throughout, like, you're just like, wait, is Doris Day a thing? Is the fact that she knows old... Because that was something that, like, maybe you can answer that was kind of driving me nuts, and it shouldn't be driving me nuts so much. But, like, the knowledge of old culture, is that, like, yeah. a thing of Tank Girl? Well, because of the 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 fact that it was, like, that the asteroid hit, you know? So it's, like, it's, it's post-apocalyptic. But so, but but things didn't get. I guess like that's like she like it's like references to Jaws, right? Well, Bat, started Bat to feel Baywatch. out of place. Well, here's the thing: it feels out of place because they're using kind of '90s references or like things that would be references within the 20 year period of '90s. Yeah, when this is supposed to be taking place in 2033, right? So then it really gets confused and like. It, yeah, it feels it, like it has like lines that are like like, and I know that I agree. There were ones that maybe I even had in my notes. I don't, there was something about that Jaws line, just like that when she's like does the like fake, sh- like sh- Jaws theme to a fake fish, and the little kid is like or whoever is like it's not funny. But in my mind, I was like, it's not funny because you don't know the reference. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but there, it's just like, a, it, it moves in and out. You know what it is? It feels like it moves often in and out of if it serves the scene, no matter what the logic of this world is. Yeah. Or it serves an improv, then they're just like, fuck it. Like, let's just go for it. Um, and, and I think there's like a base reality that gets missing even though we get that initial explanation. Because it's like, I want to give also like a basic like summary of what the movie is, but it's like a little vignette yeah, of a movie, kind of because it does feel like it's a bunch of different issues and, and, and like in uh, like almost like tentpole action scenes from the comic that they wanted to use yeah. or like imagery that you're like, oh, I know that. Like, if I don't know anything about Tank Girl, I know that missile bra, like, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> um, and so, but then it ends up being, like, a, and it ends up feeling where you're like, I know Tank Girl was smarter than this. Yeah. This feels like a simulacra of knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> simulacra of punk knowledge. Like, it, speaking of Doom Patrol, it feels like where every time when Cliff Steele is wearing like a punk band shirt, I'm like, but I, he wasn't, I don't think he was a punk. There's before. probably just a choice, yeah. Yeah. And so now it's just a thing that he's wearing a germ shirt. Yeah. But he was like, he would have been listening to Skinner, as far as I can tell, or Kid Rock before <laughs> right. this. Like, and it's just like a choice. And that would be, that was also a 90s thing of those comics that started to wear me down. Yeah. Like, even at the time where I would just be like, Ugh, everyone can't be wearing 
a Ramon shirt or a mod shirt or a fucking <laughs> stiff record shirt. Right. Especially when it's shit that was like, I don't really like the clash. Now you got this clash reference. So now I got to deal with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just like, it, it started to feel uh, like uh, that uh, some of the people making choices didn't get what they were talking about. Yeah. Like, like it was like my mother translating a subculture. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I think even from so like the beginning of the movie starts with so clear this up for me because you wouldn't yeah. would know the sound. So was it actually Devo yes. playing their own song Girl You Want, but they were trying there was a Soundgarden cover of Girl You Want? Yes. Okay, there is. tell there me more a about this. Cover my nineties friend. <laughs> that is great. Uh uh-huh. our you wouldn't think it's great, but uh, yeah, when I, I think the riffs are awesome, Soundgarden. but I'd be like, "Why are you caterwauling, Chris Cornell?" <laughs> just he's, just I mean, a girl. It's pretty like... <laughs> just a girl. Just a girl. You want? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that uh, yeah. So they couldn't afford that version, but Devo were fans of Tank Girl, so they decided to kind of do a version that was close to. They did the updated version of Girl You Want for this soundtrack. They re-recorded it for the soundtrack to sound grungy. Which is why I wrote down... That, that makes sense, because after I read that, I had already written down, is is this a cover? I don't think it is, but it feels slower. And it did... Now I'm like, oh, they were doing like the grunge version of it through Devo filter in a weird way, I guess. It's just it it was an off-putting beginning to me. <laughs> oh, because yeah. again, it's like a simulacra. It's Devo covering their own song, but through the lens of a genre that Sound, is yeah. of the time, but not them. Yeah. So like it's them doing a cover of a cover of them. What a weird way, if you think about to start the entire movie, that is a movie of a cover of a cover of a copy of a copy, basically. I... Because it's not bad, but it's just off-putting. I I, I preferred that version for a while, and of course now I'm like, no, this the original's the more, you know... Of course 13-year-old Frank loved that version more. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, that's that was the whole deal with that, yeah. So that totally makes sense, but does, like I said, kind of set the theme. Because also one of the reasons, like, so this soundtrack was music supervised by Courtney Love. Yes. Who was supposed to also play Subgirl at Uh, one point. Bjork was, too. Oh, Bjork was. No, she was supposed to play Jet Girl? Jet? Maybe. I thought uh, in the... Courtney Love was supposed to play someone, or were they both supposed to play Subgirl at some point? (laughs) Well, apparently, I mean, it said that Bjork was offered Subgirl, but she dropped out. I had an IMDb fact that Courtney was going to play it, but then Kurt killed himself. And so she was (laughs) like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I have a life that I have to deal with here. Um, No, but Kurt... But Kurt killed himself in 94. But that would have been they would have been filming. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, because I think, yeah, that would have been around. If this came out in March of tw- uh, 1995. So Bjork was offered Subgirl, and yeah. and she was offered Jet Girl. And then she Courtney couldn't, Love but was? then she... Courtney Love was offered Jet Girl. Oh, wow. Naomi Watts' part. Um, And so, but huh. the, and so she... And that would have been, you know, totally different. Like, Way different. I, I can't picture Courtney Love at that point being the subdued... 
I, I bet. Yeah, I was about to girl. say that same exact thing. I think she would have probably tried to upstage. I don't. I can't see her and Lori Petty getting. I mean, even though it wasn't Lori Petty originally, but uh, that actor got fired. Emily Lloyd. Frank, can you imagine the energy of '94 version that we saw of Courtney Love in the media in the world <laughs> with Lori Petty energy? <laughs> yeah, and then. Also, now throw in, imagine Bjork showing up at one point and just being like, it makes sense. It's a Cusack. I didn't know who that was at first. And because it's also like a movie that because it's like punk, quote unquote, if I didn't recognize someone, I just assumed they were a punk because like Iggy Pop shows up. So at one point I was like, (laughs) is that going to be like someone that I'm not recognizing from the B-52s right, playing right, yeah. some girl. Kate Pearson just shows yeah. up and yeah. Or like I, just, or be like someone's just like, I was in the Go-Go's and you're like, you're right. You were in the Go-Go's. Right. <laughs> Kathy Valentine. What's the- right. Uh, uh, or the, what's the woman in, in the germs, uh, Lorna doom. Like if, oh, just right. be like, if you were just like, yeah, Lorna doom plays some girl. I'll be like, okay, sure. Be honest with you. I'm surprised that Henry Rollins isn't even in this dude. I mean, this is like prime time for fucking Rollins to be Absolutely. making his way in. Johnny Mnemonic era, yeah. Total jo- a movie, another movie that will maybe at the some chase. point will cover. But I've never seen Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> really? Uh, it was of that time I think it's again. Fun. I'm sure, but it was yeah. so 90s. I was just couldn't Absolutely. deal with it. But I do love Keanu, so maybe I should watch it at some point. I would be surprised if I watch it now, and I'm like. Hidden gem. Yeah, we're like, so oh my god, I'm a pneumonic head. <laughs> it is. There's a, it, man. They are, there'd have to be a lot of, lot of, lot of levels it jumps for a movie to be a ni- mid '90s movie that I rediscovered now <laughs> for the first time. Um, but yeah, so like throughout I, your concert, kind of like looking for those punk things. I think yeah. also what I realized though too, it goes along with that beginning. So. You know, Tony mentioned in his intro, throughout the movie, there is animated Tank Girl stuff. Yes. And uh, they also will cut as, like, kind of, like, jumping to the next scene. They'll use it as a transition, uh, uh, actual, like, frames from the comics. Um, And so I didn't realize until he had mentioned it that they uh, just didn't have scenes. They didn't have an ending. (laughs) They like there's like there's according to one fact I think it was like ten scenes just weren't filmed so they just forgot yeah. to film them and so they need to fill in the gaps with animation and in my mind I was like oh they would just want to do things that they couldn't afford but right. that's not I guess I guess the case the case was they were just like oops <laughs> like we fucked this up maybe which at that point it always felt like. Uh... Movies kind of like doing animated sequences. You know well, what I mean? Like it, it kind of felt like in in the style of the time where like there would always be like an animated sequence in a movie like this. You know, look, man, if Ralph Bakshi could get Cool World going, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, uh, but so here's like so one another thing going with the simulacra part of this movie. It, it it was you know the animated parts are because of budget concerns. Yes. Or budget problems. Total canon move. Like, that's like they fuck up and they're like, oops, we didn't shoot parts of the movie. Let's <laughs> fill it in. But that combined with seeing the panels from the comic work counter to the movie working because it points out the flaws of what you're not seeing. Like, it weirdly, like, yeah. 
every time a panel from the movie or the the comic would come on, it would remind me of how cool the comic looked. And then you're like thrown into a crazy simulacra world (laughs) where you're like, whoa, this isn't exactly what I literally just saw like 10 seconds ago. That was super cool. And now maybe looks kind of cool. Like, and, and so it was just like this weird, I think if you were like, it's also an odd time, like for comic movies. Cause it's like, we, that's not a guaranteed thing yet. No, it's a lot of money. 25 at that point for this on an unproven property for an underground comic. It's rated R. So that's going to alienate you. It has to be only for comic nerds who are older. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and even in that, there's a lot of IMDb facts about how they like pulled back on the sex stuff. Yeah, like so, where like, they spent like five thousand dollars or something like on that a ten inch cock for that. Yeah. Fuck for for Booga, um, yeah, Booga, who is played by. So that was a weird part when they get to the Rippers. I was like, who is everyone again looking yeah. for punks? That Booga, and I thought he was great. Is played by Jeff Kober who is a character actor, but I know mostly from the first power that I brought up with Lou Diamond Phillips, <laughs> right. that movie about the satanic serial killer who comes back, uh, which I love. Um, and, but I think that guy's great, and he's fun in this. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they they pulled back. That's another part is, like, budget stuff they pulled back, and, like, it's, so it's an R-rated movie that has... A lot of sex stuff, but that is also confusing because they cut out the parts that almost would bookend some of the jokes working. Yeah. And if you don't know the comic, like I was taken very aback by, I was like, wait, she's fucking them? (laughs) And the other one is like making the joke with Jet Girl that he's got condoms, like I mentioned at the beginning. And I was like, oh, is this a thing? And then the way they cut around it because they would cut out parts where they're like post-coitus relaxing and actually being right. a couple because he has a 10-inch fake cock, <laughs> 10-inch fake kangaroo cock, <laughs> that it makes, it adds to the confusion and it adds to the, what exactly am I watching? Yeah, the, the that... I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, I mean, they're a fun part of the comics, but the Rippers, like, in this movie, really, like, that's where, to me, the movie takes a pretty uh, significant nosedive. Yeah. Is when they come in, because you're like, oh, this should be fun and work, but it's so late in the movie, and it's such a a shift, and it just, I don't know, it, it it's one of those, and also just the... The date rapey comment comments that they make, yeah, uh, really don't help. So no. it's not you can't be like, oh, they don't age well. They just are like clunky. I know then. it wasn't even cool for that time. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like jokes like that and stuff. Like I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Well, it, I think just... that's the thing when it's like, look, the, the 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 original creators of Tank Girl seem like they weren't happy with this. No. And the end result, and and. Uh, you know, that era of comic is is about it being like irreverent and kind of like pushing the edge. But as we also know, we bring it up all the time as like sketch teachers and sketch writers, like to be that to kind of use that bit of like kind of like edge lordy, basically like style of comedy. 
it walks such a fine line. Like it's so oh, yeah. quick to just be like, ugh, no, that doesn't work at all. And so when you're trying to do like the film version of an edgy comic, those parts are too silly and too date rapey, as you said, like yeah. all at once. Like, and, and, you know, look, doing this podcast means that often I have to, I'm watching movies and my wife will come out of tucking her kid in for the final bit and be like, <laughs> what are we watching here? And sometimes she'll just be like, I think I'm just going to go read. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to deal with this. And this is when I thought I almost lost her because she walked in right when the Ripper started because I had already watched some of it during the afternoon. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't explain what this dancing is. I can't explain <laughs> why we're watching this. Right. Um, their prayer is dance. Yeah. Yeah. They could. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, and, and that's the crazy part, too, is that it's it's Stan Winston makeup. Yeah. For the Rippers. So we love Stan Winston. And he did and they it. They wanted to make it more humanoid for the actors as opposed to in the comic where it's just like they're just right. straight up kangaroo looking. Which I like the way they look in the comic better. Yeah. They so look like cool in the comics. Stan Winston's awesome, but they also kind of look like nauseating. Like they start yes. to make me sick a little. <laughs> I thought about that. Like it reminded me of like Guyver. Like it kind of had that kind of sensibility to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you see the frame of her and Booga in from the comic or in the animation, you're like, I can see how they would get together, even though he right. looks more animal. <laughs> like, because in this case, you're just like, it, everything looks funky. Like everything is making me just like bad prosthetics. Like, yeah. like I can I can smell the latex. <laughs> and 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 it's awesome that Stan Winston was like he cut his budget in half to do it. They didn't believe they would get Stan Winston. And like yeah. I think he did the best he could, but also just like looking at gross looking iced tea, be angry, <laughs> and is just there for the paycheck because he's just yeah, like, why did I do it? Makeup. Yeah. yeah, like, and it's funny. There's a IMDb fact where it's like some like hip hop like talk show is trying to make fun of him about it. Oh, and yeah. he's just like, they pay me eight hundred thousand dollars, and it was right. just like, okay, never mind, let's move on. <laughs> They're like, but, oh right, we will never see that amount of money, right? Because people also ask him like, didn't you hate that prosthetics? And he goes, better than jail. <laughs> it's yeah. just like good response. <laughs> better than jail. Yeah. <laughs> you mean to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> Great fucking bit. Um. But yeah, I agree. Like once it gets to the rippers, it's a little bit of a bummer because you're just like, oh, we have to live with these rippers because I know that they're an important part of this movie, and they're they're sometimes cartoony, sometimes gross. Yeah, they're sometimes their character games aren't that clear. Like because I think shit was cut, and it is also one of those deals that happens. And I'd mentioned with the Doris Day thing where like. It's a property that already exists, and it's one that's going through too many cooks. And there are certain things that you're like, am I supposed to know this because I'm familiar with Tank Girl? Right. Or is this something you made up? Because sometimes I would just be like, I should get what's going on here more. But I think you're banking on me of read Tank Girl, but I didn't. So, like bums on you like you got to translate this a little bit for me um, yeah, I, I don't think that was a result of they hoped that you knew tank girl i think that was just that's what i think most yeah. of the time because i was yeah. i think as it kept going i started to realize like no 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 this is yeah this is production problems um uh but yeah the rippers 
are a bummer. After all that kind of build up to get to them, and they don't They're look, using the predator vision. <laughs> looked uh, yes. Through a 90s lens. Like it looked even more 90s. Yeah. You know what it looked like uh here's the thing like I I I the 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 director is very accomplished and I think it's more an aesthetic thing of the time. I think I realize that it's uh and uh, you know something I'm about to say might, you know, not necessarily upset some of our our fans. I I respect Albert Pion. Oh, uh, right. but he does have like a 90s like he's the 90s version of canon to me. Like yeah. it just like looks like we're starting to edge into that cyberpunky world and yeah. I don't really love cyberpunk stuff because it's borderline steampunk and then i'm just like this is all just getting into things i'm not like not down with like it's like no not virtuosity or yeah uh, no just like fucking two jim rose circus sideshow in the future (laughs) sort of thing what you didn't like them opening up for nine inch nails dude it was very cool Uh, (laughs) like this is the same we've talked about before where it's like i love industrial music so much but i always also had to deal with the aesthetic that i was always like i don't know man and it's the same as like this was, and correct me if I'm getting the name wrong, but like Richard Stanley, who did Hardware. Uh, uh, oh, because the Australian director, I can't remember. And Dust his. Devil, yes, Richard Stanley. So, Richard Stanley, uh, I I appreciate Hardware and don't love it. Like it's like for me because yeah. it's a little too Wiccan. Like it's a little too Wiccan <laughs> steampunky, you know? Like right. and with mixed with nineties aesthetic, like that look of the Predator vision that is a little bit too music video. Yeah. And the same with that that they did that shot of like when she's freaking out in the tunnel. Oh all yeah. Of, all of those graphics felt very music video. Yes. And I just not my favorite. Like I just can't get around aesthetic like even as i don't know i think even as when i was like again my my aesthetics were getting more and more sharpened and focused uh i was always just very picky and like you know 70s into 80s worked but once we got into 90s it was just like uh you know uh, i've grown to love them more but it's prog bands uh going to guitar center and getting too many casio synths when they've got these amazing analog synths they were using before it's just like all of a sudden it's like get a headstock on that guitar come on man like you're killing me over here um but i think like this is it it i think the the direction of it and again when you went from the panels to what the movie looked like it felt like it was if I was guessing and didn't know the, who the director was, I would have guessed either Albert Pion or Richard Stanley or whoever directed Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Right. Because it had a lot to, right. in common with that, too, to me. Where yeah. you're like, was it Harlan, um, uh, the guy that directed the other, because uh, Friday, the, or not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, um, who we, we've actually talked about before. Oh, probably. Uh... It, fe- it yeah I, it's uh, the like like super mario my kid is very into super mario and i i mentioned there's a movie and he keeps every once in a while being like can we watch the movie and i'm just like you really aren't gonna want to <laughs> like and i'm trying to explain to a four and a half year old that like you won't recognize it 
It makes no sense. It's like, it's yeah, such... Yeah, you're not gonna... Yeah, it's, it's so not. far from the original source material. It's not, like, gonna be like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where you're just like, yeah, this they did a good job. Like, this feels like a live-action version. I'm talking about the original, not the Michael Bay version, which maybe is rated R. I've never watched. No, the Michael crazy. Bay one, it's a Platinum Dunes one. It's PG-13. Oh, Christy and looked is... and said it was R, and I was like, really? No way. No, it's not R. It's... Uh... It it's it'd probably be more appropriate for him to watch, but it's not good. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so the directors of Super Mario Brothers were uh, Annabelle Jenkel and um, Rocky Morton. Okay. Do we know what they directed at all? Uh, like Max Headroom and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Just that it's a super. You know, it's a little bit like we had t- we had mentioned Scream, but like it's that super clean. Albert Pion is like both dirty clean. I think we talked about that. Yeah. And there's something in the dirty clean that I don't love. And that's also part of it. That's a 90s thing. That is like it's cameras shifting over. And it's like and it's just like cinematographers using, I think, oftentimes like a film stock that just doesn't have enough grit to it for the thing <laughs> that we're watching. Yeah. So it's just like, why is this so shiny? Like, why is it so bright? Uh, And it just, this is just where I start to get super picky about it. Um, And it's Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan is who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Who who directed Dream Warriors. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, it'd be amazing if he directed Super Mario. Does he direct Super Mario? No. No, he did not direct. But I was just saying that uh, that, this seems like that kind of aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. this is just like Cutthroat Island, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like that aesthetic of, yeah, there's just a list of aesthetics that it's my ba- it's my bag. Like, it's not just 90s. It's like, if it gets Wiccan-y, if it gets steampunky, like, if it gets, like, yeah. and, like, you know, the future where there's just too much crap hanging from our ears all the time, <laughs> and, like, we're constantly have too many bits of flair. Like, yeah, I worry. mean, it's just, we have to get as much trash on ourselves as <laughs> possible for clothing. The future is like when I wore the costume, my last costume for Halloween, my last year of trick-or-treating, I was like, I'm guy who has a lot of crap on me. And I just put anything I could find because I didn't feel like coming up with a costume. I'm surviving the apocalypse by raiding this radio shack to keep me warm. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, I... uh, so the uh, just to say the basics of this in there is that uh like I'm realizing that the main idea I guess is just there's no water. The world there was a comet. Uh it, it took away uh most of the water and uh there hasn't rained in 11 years, which isn't something that pays off. They kind of allude to that there yeah, is Yeah, you like, would think that at the end there would be like some kind of like rain shower or something that Right, which I think is ultimately again the big problem is there's not really a payoff. It just feels like bunch of random comics in the series uh yeah. also uh, comet would annihilate us yes there's no survivors unless it's a smaller comet exactly and sp- certainly not survivors who remember references from the 90s um <laughs> and uh and so yeah like the 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 department of water and power has taken over 97 percent of the water on the planet it's a real yes. ice pirate situation 
Um, and uh, where Malcolm McDowell is the head of the water and power, just showing off the amount of water he's got. Uh, oh, yeah. Essentially introducing us with that Simpsons gentleman to evil like speech. <laughs> that he has. Um, and so, just to clear up, maybe you would know. So basically, what he he wants this one house is. I think that's the other part is the world. There's a comet that hit. The world is kind of decimated, but yeah. the world picture is pretty small. You know what I mean? At least in right. like something like Cyborg, they traveled from Jersey to Atlanta and all that. And like, so we see that this happens somewhere else. Like in this world, water and power controls everything. And they're dealing with a house that Lori Petty lives in, Tank Girl lives in, that seems to be like a couple miles down the road. Yeah. And then the Rippers are like a couple miles the other way. Yeah. So it's a real kind of Hatfield and McCoy situation. Like, is like it's, is anything it's, else happening anywhere else? Are there different water and power companies? No, it's it's control of that, that whole territory. And he's pissed off because that one territory that the Rippers and uh, Lori Petty's crew is in is the one that they couldn't gain control of. Oh, because it's got why and why couldn't? Did they say why they couldn't before? Just because the Rippers? Yeah, the Rippers kept okay. messing it up for them. And the Rippers never dealt with Lori Petty's Lori House. No, I don't for think some they. Reason? Yeah, they the under the they, blue the dunes never. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That makes more sense. It's still a small world. Like, does their power? That's why he like smashed the. Remember the at the beginning when he's giving that, and he's like, "Why didn't you?" And then he makes water out of the guy's blood. I want that is my I think that's the coolest thing in the movie. Right. That weird like sucks the water out of your body into a foldable water bottle so you can yeah. drink it. <laughs> Very cool. They should have been using that even more. What that's like the best technology they've got. Um I although also could I I legitimately and not even joking my thought when he drinks that water was just like how much are you peeing? Like, like, I mean, like, because I'm terrible at drinking water, if I have like one cup of water in the middle of the day, I'm like peeing four times. He's like, gentlemen, give me a minute. (laughs) Gentlemen to evil and mm, eh, I'm going to go. I have to use a little boy's room. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. And then, so basically like they are trying to get to the blue dunes. They go to her house she has a boyfriend that she kind of gets over pretty quick. Uh, right. Yeah. The the guy that I was like surprised wasn't a Baldwin, but looked like Danny Loner. <laughs> yes. He does look like Danny Loner. You know why? He's got that split hair. Yeah. He's got that 90s like cool penis haircut. Yeah. Uh, and it should have like one little tiny dread on the front of each. <laughs> and then when you're watching the Dragula video, you're like, is that? Daniel, who is is this someone from Nine Inch Nails playing guitar in this band? Right. Uh, all those guys just, just start interchanging. Look. It was just a look, man. They all just look the same. We know that watching uh, Pam and Tommy currently. <laughs> oh man, yeah, <laughs> movie is wild. Uh, but yeah, so I think uh, uh, so she gets over that guy. Like I guess there was a whole scene that got confusing in there that they cut out that she had a big dildo collection. Yeah. Uh, again, the sex thing is like in there and not all at the same time. And there's this new style little girl that <laughs> yeah, Sam. Yeah, Sam basically get like the the water power comes, kills everyone. 
maybe kills Sam and then kidnaps Tank Girl, right? They, because yeah. she, she was poorly watching guard. Um, yes, very poorly watching guard. Here's a question about... I, 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 I asked this to someone who's never read Tank Girl, never seen this movie, but is also a non-drinker. Beer's made of water, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. I was <laughs> You need water in order to produce... That's what I... Because there's two parts where there's beers... And I was like, huh, unless it's some kind of other fermentation, you know, concoction right. where they mix it with something else. But yeah, it, I, I thought the same exact Good thing. water is a big part of beer, like <laughs> and having lots of it, I think. But it does get it's just like one of those where I was like, I know I shouldn't get so stuck on it. But when she's dumping all that bottle because it overflows and you're just like, but this is like this. Can you imagine scarce, yeah. if Paul Atreides saw, if the Fremen saw this? Because this is like loose dune, like basically. Yeah. Like they're fucking reusing their urine and feces in still suits in Dune. And in this place, she's just dumping beer and then using it as tank fodder later, like and using it as <laughs> ammo. Yeah. Um, uh, and then. So yeah, they basically they we introduced also there's a lot of like little things too where you're like, is this gonna be more, but then it isn't like the danger ball, that phantasm sphere. Yeah, that was gonna say the phantasm thing, yeah. Only just so that the little girl could use it on Iggy Pop later when he's right uh, as rat face or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Iggy Pop got the choice role to play a pedophile in a in a harem, like in the middle of whatever that place was called. Liquid that pro Oh yeah, I forgot. But that probably was in his contract to be like, Can you not label this pedophile? Can (laughs) I be rat face? Can I just he's the one who came up with rat face? Yeah. (laughs) Um and so, yeah, she's a bad guard. All of her friends die. Uh, yeah. While she's cutting her uh, her nylons to bush. Yes. Cut. Oh, is that what... Th- again, thank God that I got you here. Because sometimes I knew what these songs were. That sometimes I would be like, I can't go look back. I'm getting too lost. You don't lost. recognize the voice of Gavin Rosdale? It sounded Jeff? familiar. It sounded familiar. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but because... On, here's the other... I thought... So the music... Outside of the soundtrack is also uh, throws me off all the time because it is the music is canon style where it shifts tones. Yeah. Like when she gets that guard to explode by pulling the pin. (laughs) Right. That was like the police squad theme song. Basically, like, yeah. That is a wild, like, tone shift. That that whole scene where it's like, oh, this is Bugs Bunny, you know. Right. And I think that's, I get I get that Looney Tunes is part of it. Like, apparently, I didn't realize Naomi, Jet Girl's tattoo, Naomi Watts, is like the upside down cross with a Looney Tunes under it is another character that they just didn't use. So they just shoved it on her, apparently. Oh, uh, that- uh, well, there was the the Daffy Duck uh, tattoo too, but that's, there's a Daffy yeah. Duck tattoo too. Yeah, yeah, there's like there's a lot of Looney Tunes in this. There's also though a music sting that they must have known, but is like it's maybe like a variation on, but maybe supposed to be '90s style of Supernaut by Sabbath. Oh, but it's but it's not. I don't think it's credit as Supernaut. Like it's just like a, it's an interstitial music. Oh, interesting. And it's like a down, 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 yeah. that riff. But it's like, it's almost like a vanilla ice situation again. It's like some of the notes huh. are like a little off. 
and yeah. it happens once and then it happens again and i was like shame shame on you like at this time <laughs> like shame on me before song, though, but yeah. yeah i mean that's the thing like it throws me off because I'm sitting there. I'm just like, all right, Black Sabbath is my favorite band. You're using Supernaut, but this isn't Supernaut. Is it not supposed to be Supernaut? Is it? Yeah. Like, that's just one written. But so, like, there's music that the tone will be either like, we're in Looney Tunes, we're in Police Squad, we're using a song we all basically know, but making you distracted. It's a simulacra <laughs> again. It's this weird, yeah. this whole movie is a simulacra. Um, uh, this is Punk Dune, is what I also wrote. Because it's also, <laughs> this is one of those, just like Robot Man in Doom Patrol. It's the, it would be, when I was becoming a punk and a hardcore kid, I would get frustrated with punk comics and punk-related things because I was just like, everyone can't be a punk. Yeah. Like, Booga can't be wearing a Ramon shirt. And Lori Petty's wearing a stiff shirt. <laughs> and this other guy's wearing a mod shirt. And like, it's just like an and Richard Hell and the Voidoids is playing Blank Generation. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. like the music, it does it, it starts to be that's the like, that's the 90s aesthetic to me is like, fuck it all. Like, yeah. uh, logic of oversaturate. Yeah, oversaturate is the 90s, yeah. like, oversaturate in, vi- in, 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 in visuals, uh, MTV style directing. Yep. Or super crisp. And in this case, yeah, oversaturate where it's like it the the music kind of stops be Tony had mentioned he would love for us to do a soundtrack corner video on this. This well, is one I was that you say, and me would have to do, or just well, you. That, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, for the ones that you don't want to do, I might uh, have to have you do one for do this and I'll throw it up. Yeah. I, I, I fixed my stereo, by the way. Perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like it's an it's an oversaturation where it feels like you're watching the real world yeah. where you're like, okay, this song makes sense in this context. And then why is this happening? And again, part of the reason is probably just like, we need a soundtrack. We need a soundtrack that yeah. little Frank is going to get. And so we got to <laughs> keep shoving in these songs, but it starts to be at the uh, expense, expense of it making sense. Yeah. And you're, yeah. And so like I had mentioned before, like, most of the music did basically make sense if you're just like, great, it's a punk aesthetic. And even if it's a newer punk aesthetic, but like it, it, it is such a 90s move that maybe sometimes in the 70s or 80s, you're just like, well, maybe I just didn't notice it or these movies we're watching didn't have as much of a budget, but this budget's clearly huge for the music where you're just like, I think it was epic. Maybe that's who put out the cd i'd have to see but oh um uh, i'm trying to remember it feels CD. like face to face got really shoved on there like <laughs> it feels like they were like disconnected as a fucking we're gonna make this song huge right this is one i read they wanted green day but green day blew up right when they wanted to do it so they were like yeah. we can't afford that let's get face to face hey but angus that year was able to afford it J- must have just it must have been like they licensed it like two months but i know I never saw Angus because it had James Vanderbeek in it. And James Vanderbeek, I went, I was in school with. I went to, uh, isn't he oh. in Angus? Wait. I believe. Let me, ch- uh, let's yeah, double Yeah, he was check. a bully. I, yeah. Uh, if I remember, James Vanderbeek, yeah. his dad was my uh, uh, softball, or my, my baseball coach. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I knew James, but like, I just did, yeah, thank you. Uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, I bet you. Could have been you on Dawson's Creek. Really, I'm Pacey, baby. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Angus must have been a couple months before, like they blew up. It must have like hit it right at that time. What song is it on Angus? Do you have any idea? It's Jar. Okay, J A R. Is it 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 just for that? Yeah, it was just for that because they they wrote the song because of a friend that passed away. Okay. yeah, it feels like face to face was shoved in there because they couldn't get Green Day, and because the label was like, we got to put disconnected everywhere. And yeah. look, I loved that song. I saw face to face still when my freshman year of college. Like, but you know, know a thing about me. Like, it's also <laughs> like that's another thing with the '90s. Like, this is just one where I was just like, a lot of the soundtrack is just like what my high school girlfriend listened to. Like, I was just right. like, this is lag wagons not on. There. Yeah, I mean seriously. Like, if if I yeah, it basically was going to be a toss up of like, we getting lag wagon, we getting gutter mouth, or we getting uh, yeah. we getting face to face on here. Um, there's so much Bjork on this too that like ends. I think that's the thing. It also it, this just to stick on the soundtrack for a second. It has a lot of artists that if i do at least appreciate them i also have a complicated appreciation of them like i when i when i love portishead i i really love portishead but that album dummy is great i really do not like and this is crazy to say this about the main thing i don't like the trip hop beat right just straight up the drum beat that they use off. And that is the basis in my mind of trip hop. Yeah. And so like, I do love most of dummy, but I can only take it in small bits. Yeah. Versus like third or whatever that record. Like I really love because it sounds like they discovered, rediscovered silver apples and it has (laughs) like some like kind of weird off timey parts that are amazing. And their cover of SOS off of the high rise soundtrack is just like the greatest thing that's ever existed. But the be in and why one of the reasons I don't like the trip hop beat, it's just so nineties. It's just Oh yeah. So... I mean sneaker pimps I, <laughs> yeah. I was a big, big fan of, but that was like all their aesthetic. Yeah. Like, trip poppy. I mean that whole like yeah, and then going into the spawn soundtrack and all yeah. that. Yeah. All of that. And so trip hop beat is real hard for me. I mean I can say the same thing for the very clean fat records pop punk beat. Like, I mean, yeah. like I love the pop punk beat. I love the punk beat and I love the D beat. But when it's that like very tight compressed, like, Oh yeah. All of those bands, like fat record bands, like I both like them and they all sound the same to me. And it's like, I can listen to one of them now. It all blended together. I remember yeah. at that time trying to get into all of that scene. Yeah. And it just sounded all kind of the same to me and i was just like why would i listen to this when i have melancholy and the infinite sadness which (laughs) it's all the genres ever (laughs) but it is such a funny i mean it's also i'm saying mind you i am saying this when i literally just bought tony hawk pro skater one and two (laughs) for my switch because i watched a documentary on the making of it hell yeah frank that music is ingrained in my brain the minute and i almost was like can i not play this game because i'm having weird flashbacks to when i first graduated college and i moved to new york and i lived in my loft in dumbo and i wasn't exploring new york i wasn't looking for a job i was just playing that (laughs) and sitting there eating grimaldi's pizza because i lived down the street from it in dumbo right in 2000 
and being like, how do I know every lyric to this Millen Colon song or Power Man <laughs> 5000? I yeah. forgot that was the reason I know that Power Man 5000 song. Oh, Worlds Collide, really? Yes, it was It oh, was wow. on all the time. And there were certain songs I would set up so it would skip because some I just couldn't deal with, but I would right. leave that one. Look, I'm not above it completely, but yes. Yeah, so the soundtrack, and then Bjork is the same. Like, I appreciate Bjork, but there's only so much Bjork I can right. take. Um, but uh, this, I mean, I feel like Army of Me, which I fucking love, is one of my favorite Bjork songs mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't really sound like, you know, what people know of Bjork. But like, because yes. that's the early, like, human behavior and all that stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, but those videos I fucking love. Yeah. But like... Yeah, I we were supposed to see Bjork. Um, my wife and I were supposed to see Bjork uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, she right. has this new like uh, stage show, mm-hmm. uh, Cornucopia or something like that. I forgot what it's called. Uh, anyway, uh, but then we got the vid. Ugh. You know, we got COVID and we had to sell the tickets. So. Yeah. Ugh, sorry, buddy. Yeah. It would have been a no, good it's one. Fine. It would have been a fun one. I mean, it's, it, it. She seems like somebody I've never seen her, but my wife has. Uh, right. Um, I was supposed to see Dinosaur Junior on Sunday, and then I had to cancel that too. Yeah. It's just it never ends. Just you know, it never ends. It never what ends. Am I going to see a show again? <laughs> I will say, uh, speaking of music, I also I say that this is a movie I didn't see. There are definitely parts of it I saw, like okay. when she is like doing the sand shower yeah. to that Portishead song, I was like, oh, yeah. that feels very familiar. And I, I yeah. was like, this is, I was like, maybe even though I was out of it at that point, a little bit of a phantom tingle. It just had like, <laughs> I just yeah. kind of remembered that part. Um, but then also I realized it was right around there where I think she makes a joke about Dateline. Maybe oh. in passing, I could have misheard that, it. but like, I was like, that was again one where I was like, what? You know about Dateline? Like, how <laughs> is this working? Um, Naomi Watts with black hair is very disconcerting. <laughs> well, yeah, because they make her look like, I mean, they give her like very greasy, gross hair and yeah. The, but that is the thing. It's not, and I'm not saying this in a gross dude way, but like, it's just like, yeah, but I know it's one of her first movies and she was super nervous, but you're like, the whole time you're like, but that's Naomi Watts. Yeah. Like, it's but like... see, I didn't know that at that time. I didn't even know who she was. But even beyond that it's Naomi Watts, there's just a look to her. Right. That, and maybe I'm maybe I'm revisionist historying it, but it's like, it's almost like the joke in, uh, like, not another teen movie. Where it's like, here's the nerdy oh, yeah. girl, and you're like, she's stunning. It's like, oh, uh, she's yeah, she's yeah. wearing overalls and glasses. You got right, because the whole time you're like, she's still. Even if you don't oh, yeah. know Naomi Watts, she's Naomi Watts. You can't dull down that she is going to become like. Oh yeah. When we're speaking of like that, Hollywood makes like you know these kind of like uh, they're they're aliens, like they're beyond your normal Absolutely. human being looking people, and she's kind of one of them to some extent. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, it no, just... I've seen her in person. She is like there's some actors you see in person. You're like, oh yeah, they're you're just like me. Cool. Like mm-hmm. you're like yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, we're right. on the same. Yeah, Celebrities level are just here. like us. They look like. And bolts. then you see some <laughs> that you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. You're like otherworldly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, and there's uh uh so 
going into also with that, and it's something you mentioned before, I think it's something to discuss that, again, is kind of a canon move and why I think Tony picked this as it could have been a canon is, so, like, Tank Girl kind of saves Jet Girl, or, like, you know, like, uh, from, again, like, rapey overtones. Yeah. By the saying guy it, who was... Uh, Kurt, who is in Pam and Tommy? He is, yes. Yeah, he's the the uh, the detective that comes over and roughs up. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember what I knew him from, and I've known him from a lot of things, but it's mostly oh, yeah. the Deuce. Like I was like, oh, that's right. the guy from the Deuce. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so she pretends, doesn't pretend that uh, uh, they're girlfriends. So that's why he backs off. Right. So either way, I think like it's speak like that scene is just like an example of I don't know. This is this it, the movie is a weird one, and is again how Tony mentioned in his intro is like you know what? It, and and maybe I can't speak to it completely because I am not female, but it's like how in my mind how SLC Punk is a movie that has become to some punks like it's like this is what punk is all about, and you're like no, but they they're not painting a great picture of it and tank girl like has the sheen of like it should be an empowering like female movie but because of weird cuts and interference and interference it takes the empowerment away and makes it so like there was a point where i was like Tank Girl's the main character, but it feels like she's always in peril. Like, or she's fucking up somehow. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's what it feels like to me, where it's like, you take a pansexual character like Tank Girl, and you can't help but do, like, a little bit of 90s homophobia, being like, ew, gross. Well, even though it's, like, commenting on him. Right. Being disturbed by it, and then she's like, it worked, and... uh she's like what worked you know like i think you know it's like implying but like it yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm frustrated by a little bit like rewatching it of just being like oh it's like almost like they couldn't let them have it yeah well and it's a yeah and it's like again it's just everything like you watch things and it it's what you just watched that makes you think about the next thing you're watching is also like a path of watching and rewatching movies and again, not to bring back to the other thing, but like it's like when I was watching Suburbia, like it's a movie that it is, uh, uh, it's a movie that has become like kind of like a pinnacle for like punks to a certain punk. But then like when you actually watch it with just like trying to watch it, at least how I was watching, it, I'm like, if you cherry picked the cool punk parts, it's like yeah, this is like a great punk movie but the when you actually watch the whole thing and you watch that it has the influence of corman that makes like the metaphors confusing and the themes confusing so at the end that was end up being a big part of our discussion that's why again i was just like guys this is what me and frank go through like every week on the canon canon is where we're like i like this movie and what like like you can balance the two i think that like i mean for me for this movie especially like it has such a like special place in my heart you know yeah. of like you know my you know my preteen and or no my teenage years yeah 
and I love the aesthetic and I love Tank Girl and I love parts of it. But like, yeah, rewatching, I was like, ooh, I don't like these parts of the movie, but the whole, I mean, it's like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Right? But I think that's like, the in- that is the interesting part. I th- I would think we both have found rewatching stuff through this podcast and re-listening is, especially movies you've seen when you're younger. And I I wonder, you know, I can't speak to anyone uh, who would be like, I love Tank Girl because uh, it's a, a a great kind of feminist story. Yeah, and there are like uh, articles and stuff and people right. think pieces about how it is, but... And in my mind, yeah. I'm like, part of it could be, it's like, well, I watched Tank Girl when I was younger, and then I really haven't watched it since, and so yeah. I'm remembering the parts that what I it remember. What you feel like. Yeah, and I'm remembering, as also- you said, the aesthetic, I'm remembering where you were at at the time, if you were a teenager when you watched it, because like... Anyone who's also writing a tank girl is important sort of idea or, you know, or thinking in that terms, I would imagine is also around the same age. And I think there's just like now I'm just more and more thinking about why I think I'm thinking about is like we don't often watch with with the canon movies. We often are watching 80s movies, but we are so undeveloped like you and me. It's wild that we were watching this shit. We talked about (laughs) when we were talking about Police Academy, like off air. It's just like. When I'm like, wait, I was like eight or ten? Like, that's not when I should have been watching that. Oh, like yeah. versus like high school, you're starting and being a teenager, you're starting to really figure out your shit. But you're also really starting to decide your shit. Like you're deciding this is who I'm going to be a variation of, yeah. possibly for the rest of my life. Like it's it's you've decided your personality to some extent. Oh yeah, and it's still with me. <laughs> yeah, and same with me. Like it's Aesthetics, like at least. yeah, the aesthetic, all of it. Like it's still the same fucking shit. And that's yeah. And 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 I guess like why I'm also uh, why I'm thinking about this is like that doesn't get uh uh I don't know. It's like I I think we talk about it a fair amount, but just like wanting like people to think about movies and especially things in the past to also recognize like I was the perfect age for this thing or I was the perfect yeah. age for this. And so I guess like out of all of that is like Tank Girl does feel like it could be a movie that if you look back on it, you're like, yeah, it was cool. It had this part and this part and this part. Or I remember the aesthetic or I remember the soundtrack. But when you watch it as a whole now and then also know the journey that it seems like everyone went through, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's the bummer of it, as we're saying yeah. here. Like, that's the bummer of, like, it's like the start of pansexual empowerment idea that clearly from the writers of Tank Girl were bummed out that it got yeah. fucked with. Um that's the maybe out of all this is the most canon move of this movie is that it has the potential but when it gets edited and fucked with by producers you're left with the scenes where you're like wait now her sexuality and even just her sexual life is confusing because it'll just be a random jerk off joke yeah, or a random blowjob joke, uh, or Daddy, are you sure this is right? Like, right, yeah. like and Ugh. and and the jokes start to feel like um, they're uh, you you almost have to have faith watching it that the there were bookends to it that yeah. don't make them just feel like when like uh, the 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 edge lordy improv guy 
You know what I mean? Like sort <laughs> right, of thing right, right. where it's just like, all right, you're just yeah. kind of saying stuff about like, it's not that you can't make a blowjob joke. Or you can't make a peanut dick joke. Or you can't do this. But like, you have to make the right one. Like the one well, that works in some sort of content that isn't just like, I'm uh, uh, the, the equivalent. You know what it is? It starts to become the equivalent of when it's handled poorly or in this case edited or scenes are left out it's yeah. the equivalent of when my kid is just like butt fart <laughs> isn't that funny daddy and i'm like it's not bad like it's- oh yeah every night i have to read poopoo stories <laughs> yeah. uh, where i have to do a poopoo version of curious george uh curious george and the poopoo factory and look I'm saying this too, and not to get on a segue, uh, a tangent, but we talked about it off air a little bit. <laughs> Jackass is the greatest thing that has ever existed. Yeah. It is the funniest thing that has ever existed. But also, Jackass is a great example of I don't want to watch anything most of the time that is not Jackass doing Jackass, <laughs> like right, because yeah, it's exactly. missing the love, the friendship. The uh, 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 when you see it, I think the weird like growing into being progressiveness yeah. that's coming from jackass which is interesting like watching people develop versus is uh everyone doing a video for ridiculousness you know what i mean like just like yeah. basically just like whacking people in the nuts yeah. um uh and so yeah i think like it's just like that's where the the bummer of the some of the things that are led to, or you know could be interesting and tank girl get sucked out of well, I have two things I want to say about mm-hmm. about because like people seeing it as a feminist movie, like I, I kind of again going for the time, you have to think about representation at that time. And if mm-hmm. you're seeing it at a very formative moment of your teenage years, and you don't see this type of movie with a a lead character like this, a female who's empowered like this, uh, for the most part. And is different from most of your heroines, you yep. know, that you see on screen in action films. When especially at this time, I mean, you look at those top ten movies, you don't really see much of this type of Casper much. Lead, uh, <laughs> yeah, Casper. <laughs> oh, even that, she's very passive, right? Yeah. Uh, but like, I also want to say it's also flawed. It's always going to be flawed. It could be seen as feminist, but it's also going to be flawed because it's created by two dudes. It's always going to have a male gaze aesthetic to it, even if it is empowering. So it's like, it's almost kind of like you're fucked (laughs) no matter what, but you can't help that. Like people will see that as, I mean, I know for me at that time, it was cool for me to see that. And I was into bands like hole and Veruca salt and, you know, like these uh, who were also on the soundtrack that you are can't like fight L7. The there, Frank. You can't fight it. You, you can't fight. Uh, but uh, the L seven too. That they're playing L seven uh, yeah. when she's in the 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 tank, you know. And I feel like L seven doesn't get the credit that they deserve nah. for that time. But uh, yeah, so I think it, it is all perspective, you know. Because like, look, if you watch this movie now, you're like, this isn't. This doesn't pass the Bechdel test or whatever. Nah. But at the time, it's the same thing of like things like Will and Grace or any of those other things where it's like, well, this is what our two Wong Fu being yeah. like, well, this is what we had at the time. <laughs> well, that's why I think it also feels like a movie that is one we would talk about where it's just like the, the clearly one of the biggest problems beyond all that is like production choices. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the thing, like 
that you already you already are working at a deficit. You know, you're already working at a point where, as you said, like we don't usually it's a time period where we don't get that type of heroin. Yeah. And we don't and 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 it is that we're getting that through the lens of these two dudes who you're like in my mind it's a little bit like um uh when it's like, oh, there's all these, you know, it's awesome that there's all these like female Marvel heroes. And then it's also the element or every once in a while, I'm just like, why does every fight have to be a, like, wrap your crotch around their neck and throw them move? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like, why can we do like, it's, it's refreshing when it's not doing yeah. the Black Widow uh, vagina throw, basically. The, yeah, the sexy fight. The yeah. sexy fight, because it feels like a dude idea of fighting, which is like, right. and it's just like, well, you know, two says four, one step back sort of thing. And yeah. yeah, you take it for what the time it, and but why it also again feels so canny is like you can see, you can almost see when you've got a female director, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, female leads, and then it gets edited by a marketing guy who ends up probably making scenes where it would be like, wait, how are we now in a fight with Malcolm McDowell and she's just keeps failing and fucking up and like, but it just yeah. like keeps kind of going or she's like, she's tank girl, but she doesn't get how the tank works or whatever it is. Like the various elements that end up being for, you know, uh, working against it in ways that we will never know as, as dudes. You know what I mean? Like yeah, uh, no, uh, another layer, especially in 94. Um, and yeah, I think again, that's why it feels so, uh, uh, you know, uh, canon. It's just, yeah. it's just fucking getting in the way. And, 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 uh, you know, especially when on my end, when I watch it, it's like, okay, then it just has like a lot of marks against it. It has that combined with just not my favorite aesthetic. <laughs> like, you know, well, yeah, there's also like little like, there's one part where she has the lie detector thing that also kind of annoyed me. I was like, what, what is this? Why mm-hmm. liar? Uh, right. Also, James Hong shows up for like a hot second. Oh, so excited. He's a cybernetic guy. But very hard. Uh, like, because yeah, he's a cybernetic guy. He, I'm so psyched to see him. He's just the best. But also, they did that crazy thing where it's like he's speaking uh, in his original language, but has a translator through his throat. But they yeah. work at the same time, so my ears yes. were freaking out. I just couldn't take it. It's just my I have bad hearing. Well, that's, that's all there's to it. Kind of like what they do in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, really? like, uh, yeah, one of the the aliens has it, that's voiced by Robert Rodriguez. Okay, uh, like yeah, has like a translator thing. Right. Yeah. yeah, it just made it so hard to understand, and and so, and I think hard to understand is just a thing that works against. We've talked about it a bit, but just like a thing that just works against the movie. Just like there's just a lot. There's a lot to take in. And there's a lot then that's also you have to take in and is also clearly going through a bunch of different filters. And so all of us and so then you're like, wait, what is this rain lady? Who is sub girl? Like, oh, that's Aunt Q's like, oh, now we're done with it and we're moving on. Oh, now we're at liquid silver. Okay, this is a giant. (laughs) Oh wait, we're, uh, it's a giant like uh, brothel. brothel, but we're gonna have a fun kind of. Maybe it's Tank Girl style, but also feels more just '90s 
thing of like let's let Lori Petty just have fun in getting her costumes on. Like yeah. that just kind of goes on for a while and then yeah, they, like it's like it's almost like a comment on that's all white dudes, old white dudes, old but, white dudes. But yeah. it's hard to not get overwhelmed by they're going to prostitute the little girl. <sighs> like, uh, yeah, that woman who played the madam uh-huh. is uh, a punker as well. Her name is Anne Magnuson. Okay, she was an actress. She was like I think in the maybe somewhat lower east. She was in that band Bongwater. Uh, oh. exists for a while but I, I knew her mostly as and it's one of those things where like when you're a kid and you kind of have like a punk punk dar go off and you're like there's something about this but she was in anything but love that Richard yeah. Lewis Jamie Lee Curtis sitcom that I've been to... I've been thinking yeah. about rewatching just oh, to wow. see <laughs> that's so funny because I just saw the because as you know I go through I go down YouTube mm-hmm. uh, rabbit holes of just commercial breaks yep. that people upload, and that was one of the ones I saw. That Ned and Stacy was another uh, fucking Ned and Stacy. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah, Bizarro, Darby, and Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, anything but love. Like in retrospect, I'm just like, all right, I love JB Lee Curtis, I love Richard yeah. Lewis, and I loved this woman, Ann Magnuson. There's just something about this kind of like Lower East Side art yeah. world but yeah she was in this movie bonger she was also in the movie making mr right um huh. but yeah she's just like one of those people that like she's like you could tell she had something going on but also was a punk like in a specific yeah. way um that's a very like specific type of punk of like an era like new york mm-hmm. you know where it's like they kind of like well like a debbie harry you know what yeah. i mean one thousand percent. By the way, speaking of Richard yeah. Lewis and commercials, Boku. Boku. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh my god, this stuff is amazing. What? Boku, <laughs> juice boxes for adults. I oh. mean, that is such a great example of fucking dumb marketing. Like, there's nothing. All it is is just like we've got all these fucking juice box. Kids drink them. Can we get another market? <laughs> like, and also the crazy Let's get time. Richard that Lewis. Richard Lewis is the one to sell it. But yeah, I think like it was just like that's why when we got to the Rippers, I I was just this whole movie I had my like punk dar out. I was just like on the lookout. I was waiting for John Doe to show up from X. Yes, yes. Right? X like, is just like in the background, yeah. <laughs> Cuz it just feels like he should be one of the Rippers, which apparently the Rippers are soldiers merged with kangaroo DNA. Uh yes. and were used they- by the government and then were uh discarded. Yes. Were they made by Malcolm McDowell's character or no? I I thought it was just the army. The I don't or no, wait. I can't re- I can't remember. I don't think so, but it would make more sense if it were. Right. Or was, yeah. Because I don't who also was their god? I got confused. Oh, on that? that was the scientist that that was the guy who created them. Uh, okay. I and got a little lost they on were, that. Former soldiers, except for Booga, who was a dog. A dog. And that's, a service dog yes. that was like, yeah. Uh, Reggie Kathy played Kerouac, uh, who's a yeah. character. But I knew him from Square One. That Hell yeah. You know. I remember Square One, yeah. Scott Coffey, is he the one who maybe Tony said was in Satisfaction? <laughs> I was trying to look that up because I don't remember. Right. Uh, I don't remember him in Satisfaction, but it's been a while, even though I have the file now, thanks to him. But yeah. uh, When you go yeah. to IMDb, 
every photo has Naomi Watts in it. I guess they became like best friends after this. They like met on set. Oh, wow. Scott Coffee. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it was just like, and why it's everything also feels pieces around here. I was just very, I couldn't keep track of kind of what was going, and I wrote down so well, much irreverence. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, like the uh, once the the rippers come in, it just it really does uh, kind of go off the rails and it gets a little muddled and confusing and yeah the the so their creator that's who they worship johnny uh, prophet and then yeah johnny prophet we never and meet then, him right no uh, only in the crate okay right his dead body <laughs> yeah his dead body which pisses them off um another exhausting yeah, i'm like scene. looking at my notes here i'm just sorry i'm just trying to uh well because it's also hard- the joke this is where it gets confusing because like yeah it gets kind of muddled this is where it really becomes kind of a mess and we get the uh ice tea joke that he used to be a cop yeah great <laughs> oh we love it we love it get it <laughs> you Body need to tell me cop killer <laughs> get it he's still making that joke today he really um, truly is he truly got a lot of mileage out of that song didn't yeah, he? he really really did man fucking crazy um yeah it's yeah it's prophet's body they go insane uh oh I was confused. How was the parachute effective? <laughs> Not. It just looked cool, I guess. It was terribly yeah. ineffective over that Ice T song, I think. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that Ice-T's was, again, song, it, yeah. I think we're in the As soon as they come in, I get, all my notes just became, this movie is a lot. Like, and, and, and <laughs> I would try, like, the Let's Pray dance circle that Ice T's angry about. I was just like, I got to fast forward through this. The yeah. weird sex illusions. Again, you weren't sure if the, it was cool or not. And also, were they really going to have sex? It was unclear. Um, Naomi Watts, Jet Girl, seemed pissed at Tank Girl at one point. And I realize now that like, when looking back, apparently there was a lot more Jet Girl. And yeah. they cut out a lot of her stuff. So it makes sense that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. like Because it's just like sometimes there's energy from some of the actors that you're like, okay. What was this choice? And it was because of a scene before that they either didn't cover or they cut. <laughs> right. And the tank is sentient at one point. Well, they uh Jet has uh she made a um a like a remote control that for her jet, but she also equipped the 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 tank to do that too. Did she do that at Subgirl's place? Yeah. Oh, I think it wasn't until she like Tank Girl was like talking to the tank that I knew that that was happening. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, maybe they just took liberties with it. I think that's. <laughs> I was like, is she hallucinating now? Like, is there yeah. like that? But I do think that's like again a tone shift where you're like, okay, at that point because it had been it got so messy and you've already watched the parachute thing you've got again that face-to-face song that comes out of nowhere over right. that tank set piece uh you just kind of and and uh malcolm mcdowell had a holograph head that's right because he got his head cut off that's, and then he had a hologram head i don't understand it doesn't but, uh, make yeah. exact sense uh i mean that hand was pretty cool the hand was awesome the design yeah it was like claw uh james hong did a great d- job on that um uh yeah no it's just like it 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 really peters out into what exactly is going on the Um, movie just kind of ends a little bit you're like oh that was the big fight like you're like oh that's it 
when the and cartoon the comes on. A, yeah, the cartoon immediately, and you're like, oh. And then you hear Scott Weiland's uh, uh, other band, his side project called The Magnificent Bastards. That's what that is. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Does Courtney Love slash Hole, Hole has a song in there, right? At one point yeah. in the middle? Yeah. What album is that from? Do you have, or is it from the soundtrack I don't only? Think it's it's I think it was a B side or Drown Soda I think is the yeah. track. But like they, I think that was a B side. Would that been a pretty on the inside B side or like a no? That would have been that would have been out. Live Through This or Live uh, Through This. It was be- yeah, it's between Live Through This and Celebrity Skin. I was merging, uh, pretty, on, pretty the on the inside and Live Through This. Yeah, pretty, pretty on, on the, the inside, inside had Garbage of- Man, which is a song that in retrospect <laughs> I was like, sounds like. Babes in Toylands, yes, but lighter. And Babes in Toyland is a band that recently we saw them in 1991, the year punk broke. Yeah, on a different pot, and I was like, "Oh, they're the winners for me." Like I didn't realize. Yeah. Like I always kind of knew, but I was like, "They're very heavy." Like, Dude, Babes in Toyland is great. Yeah, yeah. they sound they were, like an amphetamine like reptile band. That. Like, what's up? They sound like an amphetamine reptile band. Like they just sound like aggro. Like they could have been on tour with jesus lizard but like yeah. when jesus lizard was like the heaviest like oh yeah um cat um, bedjaland yeah, scream is like so intense and she's got amazing control of it absolutely yeah babes in toyland was great um yeah like i think like they, they were kind of like the melvins of that yeah. girl riot yeah yeah you know, yeah scene. definitely and yeah like but but it's like you said it does just kind of peter out it just like and it's yeah. because it does. Like they didn't have an ending. They messed up <laughs> and they just had to animate something. And it and when the credits came up, I was shocked. Yeah. Truly. Like I didn't know it was gonna be done. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I mean, it it has potential. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what parts I think have potential. Some do and some don't. Yeah. Tank Girl looks very cool. The art is very cool and the translation sometimes does look very cool. Like and I know Tony said he loved the Busby Berkeley water folly style dance in the middle, but yeah. it was really like threw me off. Like, but there are a lot of things that threw me off in this movie. Um it does feel like if Canon still existed they would have maybe tried to get their claws into it. I could definitely see it. Yeah. But I could see that if Cannon did it, they would have tried to get Pyun. Oh, absolutely. Just feels like such a Pyun to me. Yeah. Uh, Because it also just feels in his wheelhouse too, you know? Yeah. Like of just like the things he does um, uh, or, or did. Uh yeah, I mean, did we miss anything about Tank Girl? Are there any other soundtrack things too that I we missed? Any bands? Oh yeah, well I'm. Uh, let me pull it up right here. I was just looking at the soundtrack because I was. I think I have the CD with me too somewhere. <laughs> I was gonna because I have a like a handful of um, CD wallets that I brought with me yeah. from home uh, that I from Texas, and I think that might have been one of them. But I'm sure it scratched the hell. Yeah. Uh, just give me one moment, because I can't remember every track, but uh, I just remember the ones that... They just re-released it, too. Oh, they uh, did? Like a limited, yeah, run. 
You got uh, Shout Factory also released a Blu-ray of this not too long ago with um, Lori Petty doing um, some commentary on okay. it. Okay. Uh, so you got Ice T doing Big Gun. Yeah. Who's Rachel Sweet? Rachel Sweet. She did a song called B A B Y. It says stiff record, so I assume oh, okay. I don't know. I don't remember yeah, Rachel Sweet, stiff. but so that must have been yeah. older. Veruca Salt did Aurora. Yeah. What is that? Is that from the album or for the or these Scalusis? Uh Aurora, I think, was a B side off of um of American Thighs. Okay. Or it might have actually been on it. I think it was a B side. It might have been on Blow It Out Your Ass. It's Veruca Salt. I can't remember at the moment. Because there was an EP between that and um Eight Arms to Hold You. Love it. Uh, Army of Me and Big Time Sensuality from Bjork. Army of Me and Liquid Chaos or whatever that (laughs) place was called. They had a lot of water. They really did have a lot of water there. Um, Richard Hell, Blank Generation, of course, can't have a punk-related thing without Blank Generation. That's just like a law at this point. Sorry, world. Um, (laughs) Bomb by Bush, is that exclusive? That is exclusive. Ooh, uh, Drowned Soda, gotta be a B-side by Hole. I'll say it again. I love this. Oh, A&M did, did Disconnected and also Victory Records at that point. Victory being a Chicago hardcore label. I yeah. guess they had a hand well, in Disconnect. And yeah, it's so weird. What's interesting about that Hole song is it says courtesy of BBC Worldwide and Caroline Records. And that's a that's a European. I right. mean, that's a UK. Caroline is a UK. So this must have been like a UK track, like UK only. I think there's a bunch of weird. Maybe did it for Peel Sessions or something. I think there's a bunch of UK things too. Like I, I thought I saw an IMDb trivia fact about them like trying to take off things they put back on in the DVD for UK. Yeah. Like they'd match the movie or something. Oh, yeah. oh you got Belly on here? Oh, Feed Those Trees, baby. <laughs> Tanya Donnelly, yeah. I, I mean, was always excited about Belly because the uh, bass player was straight edge. Uh, she'd yeah. X up sometimes. I think she was like either <laughs> in uniform choice or something like that. I was excited, like briefly or some hardcore band. But yeah, uh, yeah Magnificent Bastards. This Mockingbird Girl. You got your Cole Porter. Who's Luke Criswell and Steve McNichols? What's Ripper? Oh, Stomp. Who the hell are Stomp, Frank? Oh, I don't know. I don't know who Stomp wow. is. That's one that I'm not. That's a Frank with. Stumper right there. Portishead yeah. wrote. Who's Sky Cries Mary? See, I don't know that. I don't okay. know Sky Cries Mary, but it sounds like a band I would know. Uh, Beowulf. Sky Cries yeah. Mary feels like if I was making up a Frank band. Oh yeah, you it know? would be like it would be like they toured with Seven Mary Three, yes. even though that band is stupid. Yes, but just like three words put together. I mean, also like you have yeah. one of those words be slightly different, it would be like a shitty metalcore band too. So who am I to judge? Oh, uh, one of my favorite John Worcester bits is where he uh, he plays in one of those like late '90s like one hit wonder bands, uh-huh. and he calls in and he's like talking about all the like I forgot what the name. I know the name of the album was High Dive, <laughs> and that he they would play like the Pringle Slam Jam uh, radio festival <laughs> with Three Days Grace, Seven Mary Three, <laughs> yeah, Scott Cries Mary, L Seven at Shaft. Oh, theme from Shaft was so threw me off so much. That yeah, that no, was, I was happening. like, wait a minute, is that yeah? It took a while because I was like, this can't be, this can't be. Uh, yeah, Belly, <laughs> who's Beowulf? 
I don't know who okay. Beowulf is. And then Iggy Pop. I don't remember Iggy Pop being the song in there. Um, Which Iggy Pop song was? Wild it? Wild Thing, according to the, the IMDb I'm looking at. That's not that's not the one that goes, I'm a real wild wild wild. I don't think so, but maybe. Was that song in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that wasn't. But you I, nailed that's it dead out. I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, man, it's so funny. What if I? It is just such a beautiful time capsule. Oh yeah, time capsule of the '90s. Time capsule of '90s uh, studios fucking with movies to uh, ruin <laughs> the '90s even more in a weird way. And yet, some moments that were fun. But I'm with you that uh, the Rippers, once the Rippers came in, it should have been a highlight, but it was just like downhill hard from yeah. there. Um, I mean, did we miss anything? I I can't think of anything other than like, this is like, I think one of the reasons why I liked um, Birds of Prey is that this feels like a proto Harley Quinn you know, and even like the movie Birds of Prey or the character of Harley Quinn, the way it's developed uh, under James Gunn and stuff, like feels like like a tank, very tank girl inspired. Yes, I you know. think I'm interested. It's like almost like a question I've been asking and want to keep asking myself because, like, I don't like the Harley Quinn character, right? And it's like a character type that I don't love, and I, I it's like weeding through where I'm like, well, I want to make sure that honestly, the reason I don't like it is not from some like male duty sort of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I know what you like, mean. Cause it's like the, it's, it does fall in the same exact character. It's like the sassy, irreverent, uh, 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 female character. But the fact that it's female makes me second guess that I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a monster. But I do want to yeah. make like it's but it's But do you like stuff like but do you like Deadpool? I mean, that's like not yes and no. No. See, that's yeah. So then it's that like, is the hard part. Like Ryan Reynolds just in general is someone who yeah. I'm like I find him both charming and annoying all at the same time. See, and Deadpool has the same type of comedy where yeah. you're like some of it kind of works and some of it is just edgelord improviser yeah like exactly. it's not that smart or it's like it's like all right you're saying the right things that could add up to that type of joke right but no and deadpool is a confused because i'll sit there and like both like enjoy some moments of deadpool and then other times like totally question my entire life and my yeah. remember, even my wife was just like, I hate that I'm enjoying Deadpool too. And I'm like, I'm with you. I oh, think yeah. Deadpool's so annoying. Like yeah. uh, the the fucking I'm breaking the fourth wall. But see, I, I know you, and right. I think it's it's more of that. I think it's more of that kind of style you're not a fan of. Yeah. I would like to you think know, the, yes. You cause like that's why I asked about Deadpool, because it feels like that's kind of in that same wheelhouse. Or even if I you haven't watched Peach I know you said that you weren't probably gonna watch Peacemaker. Oh right. Uh, but I, I love Peacemaker, but the thing that annoys me is like every episode they have uh like a you could tell like it's an improvised fight or something where there's always like a misunderstanding or a character being like, oh, correcting another character about something and it's like it happens a lot right. and it kind of annoys me. Right. 
even though I love the show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's certain like well, kind of like you can feel the writer too much. It's yeah. I think that is it's the fight against being snarky and not liking things, but wanting to know. And I do think yeah, it's like it's the problems. Um, I always have to Kevin Williamson, like when it didn't work, where I would just be like, I'm just yeah. seeing the writer too much. And I know that's also a problem I have in my own writing where I want to make sure that it's not Me just too. always really my voice. With it. It's so hard. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is just a, it's a, it's the Aaron Sorkin effect where everybody talks like Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's like a real 50, 50 shot if it's going to work or not. Aaron Sorkin. Like it's like, yeah. um, and yeah, it's, a, it's an unearned snark maybe like it's an unearned irreverence and uh i mean i love the harley quinn animated show too so i've never watched i think it's because of my aversion to you um, probably wouldn't like it but uh there's i think it's really great it's really funny i mean i even remember and i'm interested actually when it comes out when i would read comics like uh when I was like in high school and junior high, like reading about like John Byrne She Hulk. Oh, and yeah. And how it was like kind of like, again, like irreverent, but like was kind yeah, of. Me- I'm realizing it's that I don't really love it when it ever gets like a little meta. Like, yeah. and like aware of itself. Like, and at a certain point, I'm just like, yeah, we're aware you're aware. Can it also be fun? Like, I, I yeah. mean, I do remember it like. Uh, former uh, guest Jay, like I, I think we had this conversation where I remember like that was his problem with like with reading comics, and he was just like, I just want to read big dumb superhero comics. Yeah, like I'm kind of just getting tired of like people being aware that they're comic. Like it's just like we're now we're way past it, man. Like just be the pulp that I want you to be. <laughs> like yeah. be fine sometimes with the pulp. Um, yeah. I don't know. Interesting thought questions that I didn't expect to have with watching Tank Girl, but I hope to continue <laughs> to uh, have and discuss with you on our podcast. Yeah. So this is oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Please. One last thing, Doug Jones. Oh, I yeah. Was an additional ripper. Yeah. Do we know which one or just in the background? Yeah. I think he was just like a stunt. Yeah. Yeah, little baby Doug Jones. Um. So uh, this isn't a canon, but uh, how many cannons would you give this canon, Frank? I think for me it would be 7.5. Yeah. I think 7.52. Cuz this feels like if canon, I mean this feels like um and it almost was made at New Line Cinema. But I think there's a really like kind of Venn diagram of like New Line Cinema going into the 90s and canon kind of ending. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially early New Line Cinema. Uh, but, like, I do feel like this has, like, if canon were to continue, because this feels more like a cyborg or a, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I could see it, like, it. I could see the aesthetics in it for sure. Yeah. But it's a little too, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I think it, it, it it hits a lot of points, but then also it kind of doesn't. It's like a little adjacent to it. Yeah, I'm gonna go seven point five two. Yeah, because it does feel like it's so far in, maybe even to the '90s, that's hard to picture what it would have been if they did it in the '80s. Yeah, yeah or even '90. 
Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like just in that it, when it when the aesthetic was the closest and it's also it's also a semi complicated one because it's like you wouldn't want to take it away from the director. Yes. Like when I say I would like to see Pyun directed, I also wouldn't want to take away from the director because she's great. It just you can clearly yeah. see that it was I would love to see a version where it got fucked up by the producers, <laughs> but it yeah. got fucked up by Monacom and Yoram because at <laughs> least it would be smaller, big hands fucking it up. And yeah. the budget would be real fucked, but I wonder if it would have... I wonder if... We didn't get into this, but like having a $25 million budget also has too much at stake yeah, and has too much of a, a playground... To like, even though it wasn't a lot, and San Winston had to cut the budget in half, it allows too much leeway for it to get fucked up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because there's too much too much money involved, and they're like, we have to make this money back, and there's going to be too many opinions. Yeah, versus like Menachem and Yorm would have fucked it up. Yeah, but they also wouldn't have been given that much money anyways, and they would have been oh, yeah. trying to use the sets from Cyborg and Masters of the Universe and four other properties we don't even know that were attached to an actor without them knowing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's what it would be. Oh, also the question, uh, if we were in Tank Girl, who would we be cast as? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely be one of the Rippers or one of the guards that gets killed. Easily, yeah. Uh, I think, I yeah, I would be the guard... Who gets the blown up from his own fucking <laughs> right. thing? Like probably because he's like kind of dumpy, like like yeah. kind of delivers a kind of joke line. So I think yeah, for both oh. of us, it would be like you're funny, deliver that line, and you're like it's not really much of a joke, but I guess I'll make a meal out of it. <laughs> or yeah, we would be a ripper in the background, uh, oh, yeah. trying to improvise some fun lines in. <laughs> And Ice T would just be like, "Shut the fuck up!" Yeah, <laughs> try to get through this. I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, Tony, to thank you, yeah. thank you for uh, picking this very fun movie. Uh, I, I loved uh, going through what uh, could have been a canon if canon really didn't fuck itself up and gone into the '90s. Um, and yeah, I would like to see this movie redone now. With a cool, you know, director. Yeah. I mean, I thought like Edgar Wright, but like a cool female director. Female director, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a yeah. A woman, yeah, who can like take this on and really like elevate it. Like even the 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 person who uh, directed um, Birds of Prey too. Like, I mean, sure. like, since it's already in that aesthetic. Yeah. You know? Tank Girl Cinematic Universe. Let's see this, people. We could do this. <laughs> <laughs> also, like seeing those animated sequences, I almost thought like maybe this would have been better as a adult animated movie. You could do this as like a Netflix, Hulu animated movie now. Now, you know? yeah, I don't know if it would have yeah. flown then. We weren't no, there just not. yet, but it made sense. when you see the art and you're like, that would have been fun to watch a whole thing yeah. of this. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you to all of our Patreon members. Uh, uh, remember, if you sign up for that Patreon, you sign up for the greatest, you're there for six months, you can pick what movie we do as our could have been a canon. But, Frank, where can people also find us? 
on Instagram and Twitter at the Canon Canon. Second Canon has one in. And go get those t-shirts. We got them over there on TeePublic. Do it all, people. But until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. This is The Canon. Canon. No one's ever seen your peanut dick either. Pow! Pow!